Open our hearts tonight, God. Hallelujah. I love the new songs. I love how they bring us into the presence of God. But they say the same thing as the old songs, just in different ways. We used to say, I need the old, I need thee. your voice and say it. Christmas song, didn't you know? Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord, for he, for he alone is worthy. 
together and do that right now. You're worthy. Come on, lift your voice and magnify him. So worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can't feel God in this room right now, your filler's broke. You need to make a visit to the doctor soon. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us into the throne room. Amen. Thank you, Sister Kristen. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. You guys are phenomenal. Amen. What a blessing to be at, at Arkansas HYC 2014. And uh, your hospitality has been so great. This is such a, a, an amazing conference. I am, I am impressed with your set up. I'm impressed with your excellence. I'm impressed. And uh, I'm just so excited to be here. And uh, my, I'm so excited to be teamed up with David McGovern. My God, did he not bring a, an amazing word to us today? The tree in the middle. My God. Woo. A beautiful word. And uh, always bringing it back to the cross. What a, what a beautiful Thank you, Brother McGovern. I appreciate you. I appreciate your stand for truth. Amen. And uh, I appreciate this district. Brother Anderson, Bishop, thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, Brother Chetra Dean and the Youth Committee, thank you for allowing me to be here. Amen. I come tonight with a word uh, that's been on my heart for quite a while. This will be the first time I've ever preached. I, I normally don't do this. I normally don't preach uh, a first-timer at a convention or anything like that. It's just uh, the nature of the beast. But I, I feel tonight to uh, speak to this group of people. I feel, uh, and, and I'll just say this on the onset, that I feel like this is a word for our generation. I feel like this is a word uh, for where we are as well. And I feel like that tonight, if you will uh, just bear with me a little bit, let me share my heart, let me share the spirit in which I preach to you this message, that there will be revival among us as a community not just not just uh, not just your church not just your group not just you individually but I believe in the whole state of Arkansas there would be just a great revival I would I believe that if the whole kingdom of God would would hear this word tonight because uh, I know for me uh, it, it's helping me and uh, some people say that some of the greatest messages that a preacher would preach are things that God dealt with him about first. And I feel that way tonight as I bring to you this message tonight. If you would turn me very quickly to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading at verse number 10. Exodus 2 and 10. Amen. Exodus chapter 2 begins with the story of uh, Moses. Uh, we, we're very familiar with the story. The Bible says that his mother and his father were both from the house of Levi. Uh, I told my church just a few Sundays ago, uh, talking about Moses, I said, it's amazing what a good pair of Levi's will do. 
Some of y'all get that later. The story of Moses has intrigued me for many years now. And uh, I'll just say this. I'm a, I'm a Bible geek. Well, some of y'all are like Star Wars geeks and Star Trek geeks and G.I. Joe geeks and Apple geeks and whatever geek you want to be. Uh, since about the age of 25, I've been, an, I've been an, a Bible geek. I've been just studying the Word of God. I've been reading it over and over and over again, going deep, trying to find stuff that nobody else sees. Not because I want to preach a great message, just because I think it's really cool how God brings everything back to something. And so the story of Moses has been really, really intriguing me for many years now. And I want to just uh, share some things with you. The Bible said in the book of Exodus chapter 2 beginning in verse 10, And the child grew, and, he brought, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, she said, because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked upon their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked his way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, why smitest thou thy fellow? He said, who made thee prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And if you will go me very quickly. To the book of Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to read for you there, verse 13. Exodus 3 and 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say, say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, have sent me unto you. And Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it down. He cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it my kind of guy. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. I'm going to read some more tonight, but I'm going to stop right here. And I want to preach to you tonight on this thought. The problem with brothers. The problem with brothers. Amen. Now some of you may not see how I'm going to tie this in, but you will. Let's pray together right now. God, I ask you to speak to us tonight. I feel the heavy weight of eternity upon my shoulders right now, God. I feel the weight of this word and the weight of this ministry that I'm bringing forth. I pray that you would touch your manservant. Your word is already anointed, but I pray that you would touch me tonight that I may deliver it how you see fit. And God, I pray for every heart and every mind in this room that we would not only be hearers of this word, but God help us to be doers of this word. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. Would you lift your voice right now in the name of Jesus and just begin to give God praise. Come on, glorify him for just a moment. You're worthy of it, God. We love you.
we praise you and we thank you for your word tonight. Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. The problem with brothers. I want to talk to you for just a moment about Moses. Moses is a very intriguing story in the Bible. His life is highly chronicled from the moment he is born to the moment he has died. We almost follow every step of his life. Uh, there are not many characters in the Bible like Moses. Uh, we don't even meet David till he's like 14 or 15 years old. There are some people in the Bible that are very vague. We don't meet men like Saul till Saul is a grown man. But a man like Moses, we meet him when he is just a child. God is very, uh, he wants us to know a lot about Moses. We follow him his whole life. And we know the stories and, and, and we've heard all of the uh, Sunday school stories. And when I was a kid, I seen the little flannel graphs. And some of y'all don't even know what a flannel graph is, but it's, it was cool. Flannel graphs were cool. And I used to enjoy flannel graphs and watching the teacher, you know, move things around. And Pharaoh's daughter would find Moses by the river, and she would take Moses home, and she, he would be, you know, her, her little baby. But the, the, the true story would be something like this, that when Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam came and said, hey, I know a woman that can take care of him. And so she nursed him until he was time, it was his time to be released. If you follow Jewish culture, this would mean that Moses did not go to Pharaoh's daughter's house until he was eight years old. He did not become an Egyptian until he was eight. He was an eight-year-old boy when he was turned over to Pharaoh's daughter. That gave his mother eight good years to teach him, you are not an Egyptian. I don't care what they tell you when you get there. You're not an Egyptian. I don't care how, to make, how they make you feel. I don't care how they dress you. I don't care what schools they send you to. I don't care what they put on you. You are not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, when Moses was old, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's because of a good mama and a good daddy. I said, boy... You are not an Egyptian. You are in this world, but you are not of it. Hallelujah. Now, when, when, when Moses was 40 years old, 40 years old, 40 years old, he has now lived as an Egyptian for 32 years. 32 years of his life has been surrounded, engulfed, enveloped into the Egyptian lifestyle and thought pattern. But as he becomes 40 years old, something begins to change inside of him. Maybe some words from his mother when he was eight. Maybe just a feeling of, you know what, I, am, I, I don't belong here. This isn't who I am. And so Moses begins to see the Hebrews as his brothers, that these are my brothers, and I am not an Egyptian, and these are my people. And so he begins to make decisions in his heart and decisions in his mind. And he says, you know what? I can't stand for this no longer. And so almost as a public display and as uh, just uh, lifting his voice to the heavens and saying, I'm not an Egyptian, he reaches out and kills an Egyptian. A public statement of who he is and what he is and who he is and what he believes. I'm not Egyptian. The Hebrews, they are my brothers. But it didn't work like he thought it was going to work. It didn't happen like 
he thought it was going to happen. Because the Bible says when Pharaoh found out, he sought to slay him. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes uh, we put God into this little box of uh, just a kind and nice God and and we want to put God in a, in a genie bottle and, and we want to just rub the bottle and get three wishes. And we've relegated God to uh, an Aladdin story. We've relegated God to a leprechaun that if you catch him, you get three wishes. But the real story of God is this, is when you make your decision and when you make your choice and you say, you know what, I'm coming out of this and I will no longer live in sin. I will no longer live in bondage and I'm not an Egyptian, but I'm a Hebrew. Watch out, because all of hell is about to break loose in your life. That ain't popular preaching. That's why I got 20 people clapping right now and a cricket in the back saying amen. Because we've relegated God to fix all my problems and make everything okay. But when you come out and say, hey, I will no longer be called an Egyptian, but I'm going to live for God and stand for God, that is when trouble comes. Come on, Moses, you've been living for the devil for 32 years. You think Pharaoh's just going to let you go? You think Pharaoh's just going to let you out of this thing? There's trouble coming, son. You're about to be a fugitive. You're about to go hide in the desert. Yeah. We put God into this antiquated idea that he's going to fix everything. But God sometimes just stands back and watches you go through everything you need to go through to become who he wants you to be. He allows Moses to find this out on his own. He allows Moses to go through the school of hard knocks to learn. Just because you made a decision, just because you came to an altar at youth convention, you think everything's going to be okay now? You come up here and did a one-stop knee drop and said, Lord, feel me. Bless me, use me, and then you're going to go home and everything's going to be fantastic. You're going to have a desk with your name on it. That ain't how it goes. The most dangerous prayer that you can pray at this youth convention is this, God, use me. Because he might take you seriously and say, okay, I'll use you. Let me break this off of you. Let me cut this off of you. Let me put you down so I can bring you up. Let me push you into the desert, Moses. You want to be a Hebrew? Okay, I'll let you be a Hebrew. I'll put you into the bondage. I'll put you into the turmoil. I'll put you into the trial. I'll put you into the tribulation. Some of y'all going through hell right now, and you think you're on the wrong track, but the devil is a liar. You're on the right track. God's taking you somewhere, baby. God's moving you to something. God's pushing you to something. Hey. Don't you laugh at my adversity, because my adversity is pushing me to my destiny. Hallelujah. See, I'm a Bible geek. There's some, there's some stuff in the Bible, man, that makes my head turn a little bit. Exodus chapter 2, you know, be, you know ends with Moses making this great decision. But um, Exodus chapter 3 begins with, now Moses. Exodus chapter 3 begins with, now Moses kept the flock of his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, on the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. What? You know how much stuff that one little verse right there just said? Hold on. Moses 
who used to be the proverbial prince of Egypt, is now watching somebody else's sheep. He even got his own sheep, man. Not only that, he's on the back side of the desert. You can't get no farther into the desert than that. You can't get no more messed up than that. It's the backside, man. If there's a backside, there's got to be a front side. If there's a front side, there's got to be a middle. But he's already been to the front. He's been to the middle. Now he's in the back. You can't get no deeper into trouble than what Moses is right now. But then it says, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Hold on, wait a minute. You're telling me that the mountain of God, the place where God speaks, the place where God designs, the place where God empowers, that place is on the backside of the desert? Hello, God's pushing you to something. It may seem rough, but there's something out here. You may seem like nobody cares, but there's something out here. You're out by all alone. You're out all by yourself, but there's something out here in Horeb. It's the mountain of God, and God's about to speak a word that's going to change your life and everybody around you. Don't you, let the devil, don't you let the devil lie to you and tell you this is it. This ain't it. This ain't the end. This is just the beginning. I can't take it no more. Watch out. God's about to speak. One more trial. I can't handle it. Watch out. God's about to speak. Don't you throw in the towel now. Don't you give up now. Lift up thine eyes unto the hills from which cometh thy help. God is about to speak. It ain't over. It's just beginning. <laughs> Moses is now 80 years old. 80. Took him 40 years to leave Egypt. But it took 40 years for Egypt to leave him. 40 and 40. <laughs> See? These are, these are biblical principle concepts of God that we don't like to talk about because we've relegated God to a microwave. We've put God in the same category as Burger King. Have it your way. Nay, nay. You can't have it your way. You got to have it his way and you got to like it. This kind of preaching right here helps you young people. Because you're at a place right now in your life where you're making decisions. And I come to tell you that every decision that you make, just because it leads you into trouble, doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Sometimes the right decision, the right door to walk through is the one of pain and suffering. Sometimes the right door to walk through is trial and tribulation. Because there's no way that God can get pure gold if he doesn't put it in fire. There's no way you can come out of Egypt, Moses, and, and, and go to the desert and come back to, as the Messiah of God's people if you don't go through some stuff for a little while. You can't get to my level until you fight my devils. You can't get here overnight. I'm preaching to some young men right now. You're not going to get there overnight, but keep trying and keep praying and keep showing up. 
Don't give up because you slip and fall. God ain't through yet. The devil's a liar. God isn't through yet. Just because you went through some stuff and you made some mistakes, don't you dare sit down by the side of the road and suck your thumb and say, woe is me. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. God's just started with you. He's got a plan, sir. So Moses sees the bush burning. He says, I will now turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is burned, but is not consumed. He turns, the Bible says, in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says, and when God saw that he turned. You see these little quips in the Bible, just like blow your mind. And when God saw that he turned, God said. So God doesn't say until God sees. The only way God says is, is if God sees. And if God don't see, God ain't saying. And some of y'all want God to say, but God ain't seen nothing. He heard a whole bunch of junk, but you ain't seen nothing. He heard a whole bunch of prayers in the altar, but you can't live for God in the altar. He ain't seen nothing, and God ain't saying nothing because he ain't seen nothing. Lord, why ain't you speaking? Because you ain't doing nothing. I only speak to people that I see. If I see you doing something, I'll speak. And when God saw that he turned, God said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here am I. Here am I. That's that, that's that beautiful moment when God calls you, Moses, Moses. In, in my world, God talks like James Earl Jones. Moses, Moses, you have deliberately disobeyed me. Moses, Moses, yes, Lord. Here am I. I am here for you. And God says, Moses, don't come over here. What? But you just called me. Yeah, I called you. But the calling is just the beginning. You, you did hear my voice at youth convention. It was really me. I literally called you. I spoke your name. You felt the right thing. But the problem is now is you got to get rid of some stuff or you can come over here. Take off that shoes and off that feet, man. The place where I'm now standing is holy ground. Just because God called you don't mean God's ready to use you. There's some stuff you got to take off now. Well, hallelujah, I'm preaching anyhow. There's some stuff you got to get rid of. There's some snake's head you got to cut off. You can't just come over here because I called you. Now it's time for you to do some work. Take some stuff off, get rid of some stuff, lay some stuff down, separate yourself from some people, separate yourself from some relationships, and then, and only then, can you come over here. You can't just come over here willy-nilly. Oh, pastor, the Lord spoke to me. Woo. And he said, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to save millions of people. But you can't teach a Bible study in your high school? You, wait, you, hold up. You're going to fly to Africa. You're going to fly to Africa and save millions of people, but you can't save one dude from your high school? Come on now. Psh, psh. That's what the pastor's thinking. He's thinking, yeah, right. I, I haven't even seen you at prayer for 20 years. But all of a sudden, you're a missionary now? You need to calm down. 
or you break your own neck. I just feel like I need to preach, Pastor. I just feel like I need to preach. I just feel it in my spirit. Well, that's good. Now sit down, take a deep breath. Okay, you ain't preaching. Not until you go find you a Bible study somewhere and win a soul. Not until you show up to prayer every week for the next six months to a year. Well, we shouldn't have to do all that. Well, what? You mean to tell you mean you mean to tell me you got to spend eight years in school to cut somebody's head open and do brain surgery, which only saves them for a couple years? But you think you can jump into preaching, which saves men's souls for eternity overnight? So jump up in here like this? Are you crazy? This thing is for real, man. Why would you want to be president of the United States when you can be a preacher of the gospel? This ain't no game. Calm down, Moses. Tell my here am I. I got some stuff coming your way about to blow your mind, young man. Now, Moses is 80. 80. I got some stuff coming your way about to sit you down. Here's the deal. I've heard my people's cry. I've heard my people in Egypt. And I'm about to send you to go get them. Could you say that one more time? You see, Moses isn't a fool. Moses has lived in the house of Pharaoh for 32 years. He know Pharaoh don't play, man. You just don't roll up on Pharaoh and say, hey, you know, just let my people go. Mm-mm. That's Pharaoh. Listen, Moses isn't worried about Pharaoh. At no point in Exodus chapter 3 or Exodus chapter 4 will you ever hear Moses say anything about Pharaoh. Not one time. I know what you heard in Sunday school, but can I explain it to you how the Bible said it? The first thing out of Moses' mouth is this. When I go to my brothers and I tell them God spoke to me, they ain't going to believe me. Who do I tell them sent me? What is your name? God says, I am Yahweh, the YHWH. Moses hears God's name for the first time. He hears the name of God, the name that is used from that moment to this moment, Yahweh. That's the name we're still calling him, even when you say Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh has become salvation. It's still Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H, the name that cannot be pronounced until you add an A for Adonai and an E for Elohim. And then you get the word Yahweh, which is three symbols, Y-H-W-H, the man with holes in his hands. Look it up. Moses hears the name of God. God speaks into Moses. I am that I am. And he said, you are tell the children of Israel that I am had sent you. Now we all thought that Moses asked that for Pharaoh's benefit. But it wasn't. It gets deeper. 
In Exodus chapter 4, Moses says, but they won't believe me, God. They won't believe me. They won't believe that it was you that called me. Me. I mean, they hate me. I'm Moses. They know me. They know my past. They know that I was a Hebrew who got to live in Egypt. They don't want nothing to do with me. They won't believe me that you talk to me. God said, what's that in your hand? That's my rod. Throw it down. Hold up now, God. That's my rod. I've been, I had that rod for a long time. My grandmama gave me that rod. You know, that's, you can't be taking my rod. That's a special rod, specially made. You know, this is all I have. I'm a shepherd out in the middle of the backside of the desert, and all I got is a rod. God said, well, give it to me. Give me what you got. I'll take what you got. Just give me what you got. So he throws the rod down. It becomes a snake, and Moses runs, which is what you do when you see a snake. Don't hang around the snake. God says, now, now come back over here and pick it up. It was a cool trick when God turned it through the snake. But me picking it up, now we got a problem. Hold up now, God. This ain't cool, man. So he picks the snake up, and the snake becomes a rod. Then God says, and if that won't convince them, take your hand. Stick it in your cloak. Pull it out. It's leprous. Put it back in. Pull it out. It's clean. I can do this all day. Leopard, clean. Leopard, clean. Clap on, clap off. I can do this all day long. He says, if that don't convince them, go get some water and pour it on the ground. When you take the water out of the river, you pour it on the ground, watch the, the water will become blood. God is giving Moses tricks to convince the brothers not Pharaoh. Brother Chavis, Moses threw his rod down in front of Pharaoh. And when Moses' rod became a snake, nope, that's wrong too. Go back and read it. Moses never threw his rod down in front of Pharaoh. That was Aaron. Aaron threw his rod down. Aaron smoked the dust and it became lice. Aaron put his rod in the river and it became blood. Moses never got that chance. You know why? Because after God had given Moses all of these abilities and God had shown Moses his ability Moses says, I can't. Not me. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm slow of speech. Uh, 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 I can't keep to talk. And Moses trumps God's ability with his inability. The problem with brothers is that they make us feel inadequate. The problem with brothers is that we're all trying to convince each other. The problem with brothers is we care more about what we think than what God thinks. Oh, I'm preaching. Hold on. You can hold the claps right now because I'm about to go in. I got a track hole. The problem with brothers is that we're more concerned with each other than we are with God. We're more convinced at our brothers than we are at the very word of God. Our brothers have convinced us that we're not good enough. 
while God says, I've already equipped you and empowered you and promoted you and elevated you and called you. But now you argue with me because you're afraid of your brothers? At no point does Moses say, but Pharaoh will kill me. He ain't worried about Pharaoh. He's worried about his brothers. Pharaoh doesn't play into the equation. Pharaoh's not a problem. The brothers are a problem. God has already called him. God has already equipped him. God has already promoted him. But he don't have a problem with God. He's got a problem with his brothers. There's always a problem with the brothers. I told you I'm going in tonight. Tonight our issue isn't God's. If you have the Holy Ghost in here tonight, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, or even if you're sitting in this room, God has called you. Because the Bible said no man cometh unless the Spirit draw him. So there's nobody in this room right now, not one single solitary person that is not equipped and adequate to do the ministry and the work of God. We all are equipped, we are all called, and we are all able. But your problem ain't with God. God doesn't have a problem with you. And the devil is already afraid of you. The devil, the devil, I will cast the devil out in a heartbeat. I'm not afraid of the devil. Have you lost your mind? If I believe what I believe, and I believe what I preach, and I believe what the Bible says, then I have all the power in the world over the devil. The devil doesn't bother me. The enemy is not my issue. Pharaoh does not even come in to the equation. I just want to know, how can I get past the brothers? How do I convince the brothers that I am who God said I am? How do I convince my peers that I can be used by God? How do I convince the man and the woman sitting beside me tonight That I am who God says I am. And we're living in a world, we're living in a religious culture, we're living in a religious society where everything we do is to prove a point. Everything we do is to convince each other. Everything we do is to impress each other. Don't tell me I'm crazy because I'm not. I follow you on Facebook, man. Day three of this 21-day fast. I'm praying for direction. Well, you just ruined three good days. Up early in my morning time of devotion, I read this today. Why? Why? Who are you trying to convince here, man? We all talk about fish stories. Yeah, you know, I caught this fish. It was like, it was about like, it was about like that. the same thing with God. Oh man, I just, God just came down and spoke to me. He was like, you're going to do everything really great. You're going to be like really cool and everybody's going to love you. That's what God said. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be famous. You're going to be preaching youth congress. 
Who are you trying to convince, man? You're not trying to convince God. God already calls you. God's already good with you. You're not trying to convince the devil. He's already afraid of you. So, 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 so why all the antics? Why the games? Why the tricks? Why are we still standing around in front of each other going? Why? Why are we still standing around in front of each other throwing down our rock? Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. Come on, people. It's time to get past the brothers. Stop trying to trick me. And I pray that I can stop trying to trick you. Let's be who God has called us to be and get off of our high horse and go to Egypt and set some people free. Be seated. I'm almost done. I'm coming to a close. I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. There's some people going to be released in the Holy Ghost here tonight. Stop trying to convince me of who you are. And stop being the person that needs convincing. Billy Cole told us one day in a meeting that I was very privileged to be in. He said the reason why people in Ethiopia get the Holy Ghost so freely and we're praying hundreds of thousands through at a time is because people in Ethiopia could care less who lays hands on them. The, the, the reason that we see people's blinded eyes open and legs grow back and creative miracles over there that we don't see here in America is because over there nobody's grading the person who's laying hands on them. They don't care about who the person is. They care about who the God is. They're not looking at the person and saying, well, I know your past. I, I know what you did in Egypt. I, I saw you, Moses. You're the man that killed that Egyptian. You, you can't pray for me. They're not worried about me. They're worried about God. Oh, what revival we can have if we can get past the brothers. Oh, what growth we can have if we can get past the brothers. Oh, what joy, what peace, what unity, what synergy we can have if we can get past the brothers. Be seated. It is never more in effect than in your age, young people peer pressure. The brothers are never more in effect than at your age. Some of you haven't even worshipped this week. You haven't even clapped your hands and leaped for joy because you're afraid of what the person next to you is going to say. You've adopted the diva mentality. You care about your image. I wish I could preach up in here. You care too much about your image. Forget your image. Forget you. Why are you trying to be cool, man? You can't be cool at 16. It's almost impossible to be cool at 16. Nothing works right. You're awkward. You're weird. Get over it, dude, and just worship God for who he is. Stop trying to prove something to me. problem with the brothers is that Cain hates Abel because God is, has respect to Abel. And Cain can't get over it. And so Cain kills Abel. The problem with the brothers is that long before he was ever in prison, long before he ever met Potiphar and Potiphar's crazy wife, his own brothers threw him in a pit. 
because he was blessed and favored. The problem with the brothers, <laughs> the problem with the brothers is that Esau hates Jacob. Jacob would be fine if it wasn't for Esau. Jacob would be okay if it wasn't for Esau. Esau, why you got to be that way, man? Come on, God has favored me. God has put his hand upon me. I didn't ask for it, Esau. I didn't ask for God to put that hand of favor on me. I didn't ask for God to put that calling upon me. Why do you hate me so much? The problem with the brother is, as the Bible says, and David was anointed in the midst of his brethren. But when he said, who's that uncircumcised Philistine? It was his own brother who watched him be anointed. His own brother who stood in the living room in front of his father and watched Samuel pour the horn of oil over his head. His own brother said, get out of here. You ain't nothing. The problem with the brother is... On the way home from the pigsty, the father runs to meet him out in the yard, but the brother refuses to come in from the field and says, I hate him. He ain't nothing. He left here. He don't deserve the fatted calf. The problem with the brother is that you're in my way, and I'm in your way. There's always been a struggle with the brother from beginning to end. There's always been a struggle with the brother. The problem with the brother is, is that Peter says, we're saved by our works. But Paul's preaching, we're saved by faith. And it takes a James to step in the middle and say, no, guys, faith without works is dead. You're both the right. Shut up and get together. We don't need a baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. We got the Holy Ghost. What we need tonight is a baptism of unity. We need a baptism of you getting out of my way and me getting out of your way and saying, hey, I believe you, Moses. I believe you. I believe you. Set us free. Lead us out of here. I believe you are who you say you are, man. If God called you, then God called you. Come on, let's work on, let's work on getting out of here. I believe you. I trust you. I believe in your ministry. I believe in your power. Let's believe in each other for once. I wonder what would happen in the state of Arkansas if we could get out of each other's way and let Moses be Moses and stop making him pull off tricks to convince us of who he is. Stand with me all over the room. I'm, I'm coming to a close. Problem with the brothers is they make us leery. The problem with the brothers is that anytime we see anybody getting a little too close to the edge, we automatically write them off because we've been hurt so many times by those that have crossed the line. The problem with the brothers is I can't tell you what my problem is because I'm too afraid you run tell everybody. problem with the brothers is, I don't know if I can trust you, man. I don't know if I can trust you to take me seriously. 
And because of that, we have nobody to run to. We, 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 we battle with submission. And if you could take the whole Bible and squeeze it down to one word, it'd be submission. We, we have a hard time submitting. Not because we're arrogant or rebels. We have a hard time submitting because we don't trust nobody. We don't know if you're going to deal with me wisely. We have a hard time submitting because there's a problem with the brothers. But I feel a healing coming to our movement. I feel a healing coming to this district. I feel a healing coming to your youth groups. There's some young men standing in, 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 in these rows tonight. You have felt the call of God in your life, and you've kept your mouth shut because you're afraid of what they're going to say about you. You're afraid they're going to call you out. There's some young ladies that are standing here right now. You have felt the anointing call on your life, but you've shut it in a box because you don't think the brothers would trust a woman ministering. And that's our fault. That's our fault. Israel is at fault here, but so is Moses. Moses cares more about the brothers than about God. God has already given him the word. You will lead them out, Moses. He can't believe God because he can't trust the brothers. And the brothers are at fault because they make Moses work for it. They make Moses prove something. We know you, Moses. We saw what you did. problem with the brothers is that God has already sent revival but the brothers have it in their pocket and they only give it out at the general conference the problem with the brothers is that we're all guilty Nobody in this room right now who ain't in the brothers. The problem with the brothers is that we grade each other every day. Things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram just make it worse. To make it worse, it exaggerates it as we try so hard to prove to each other how cool we are. We have thousands of us taking selfies every day. O-O-T-D. I just found out what that meant. Outfit of the day. The devil is a liar. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? That you're so impressed with yourself that you would take a picture to try to prove to me how cool you are? God forgive me! And God forgive you. What have I done to you to make you think you have to prove that to me? Who have we become to make you feel the way you feel? Who have y'all become to make me feel the way I feel? There's always been a problem with the brothers. There's always been an issue, brothers. The brothers have caused more conflict than Pharaoh ever thought about. The problem with the brothers is that 
even though everybody knows Aaron is the voice, they still make him throw down his rod and only believe that Aaron is the leader when his rod buds. Aaron's got to pull off a trick to convince the brothers that he's the voice of God for Moses. The problem with the brothers is they say, we don't like Moses talking to God alone. We want to go see him for ourselves. We don't trust Moses. That boy don't know what he's talking about. And it's funny and humorous, but it's alive in our ranks. It's alive among us. We care so much about the brothers that we got men of God that should be starting churches, but they're going to go get their master's degrees instead so they can prove to me that they're educated. While their cities dying and going to hell, they're trying to get their doctorate so they can say, yep, got that. But that, that's my fault, not theirs. I, we created a culture that makes them feel they have to have that. And while I believe education is great and you should get it, why would you want to be the president of the United States if you could be a preacher of the gospel? Who, who told you you had to have that? Forgive us, forgive us for making you feel like we didn't trust you if you didn't have it. I'm closing with this. There's always been one thing, always been one thing that the Catholics do that I envy. And I know I'm stepping out on thin ice right now. But I'm a man who has issues just like you. And there's sometimes in my walk with God that I wish there was a wooden box somewhere that I could go sit down with the man of God and I could tell him everything that I'm going through and trust him to keep his mouth shut. Where's the brothers at when you need that? I'm a man of God that carries the weight of ministry on my shoulders every day of my life. And the weight of eternity crushes me down to my toenails. And there's sometimes I wish there was a brother that I could just say, hey man, I'm struggling. But it's hard to find that because there's a problem with the brothers. How much more joy and peace and unity and prosperity could we experience if we could get out of each other's way? Stop holding me back, man. Me. Let me just be who God called me to be. Stop making me do tricks. Stop. I want to stop that. Stop making me climb the mountain with you. Stop making me trying to convince you over and over again that I am the man that God called me to be. Even at the edge of the promised land, even at the edge of the promised land, the brothers still don't believe. He's the Even Jesus himself said, a prophet is not accepted in his own country. The stranger will heal me, but the brothers won't hear me. T.D. Jakes can write a book. Every one of us in this room will go buy it. But let David McGovern write a book. He'll struggle to sell a copy. Israel Hooten go make a CD. Every one of y'all jokers will go out and buy it next day. 
a chance redeemed make a CD. He struggled to sell 100, 150,000 copies. He struggled because there's a problem with the brother. Strangers have better places than the brother. Why is that? God, help us tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I feel the weight of this message crushing me down right now. God, I'm done. I'm done. I, I've said everything I feel like I need to say. I feel the weight of this message so strong on me right now, but I'm done. I'm so done. I don't think I can say one more word. I pray tonight that you would just do something in this place. I pray that I would feel a witness of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I pray that there would be a unity of the brothers. I pray that we would all forgive. I pray that there would be a spirit of forgiveness to come up on this room, and I pray that there would be a spirit of repentance as well. God, help us get out of each other's way. I don't want nobody missing out on the ministry because of my stinking attitude. I don't want people going to hell, God, because I wouldn't get out of somebody's way. I don't want there to be a loss of revival because I was too ignorant, too unwilling to let somebody be Moses. sorry if I ever made you feel inadequate. I'm sorry if I ever made you feel like you had to prove something to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry I made you feel like you had to convince me before you had to convince God. And God was already convinced. God's already convinced that you're worth it. God's already convinced that you're able. God's already convinced that you're adequate. God is already convinced that you have the ability. Forgive me standing in your way. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Let's fix this thing. Let's do something no generation before us has ever done. Remove the problem with the brothers.
Oh. 